Hello everyone, I'm Cressida Cowell, author of How to Train Your Dragon, and I'm just popping in to tell you about my new book series, Which Way to Anywhere. It's a story about four children who discover that there are alternative worlds beyond our own, and that they can travel to them with the help of a magical map and a very special gift. Of course, this leads to epic, unexpected adventures. Which Way to Anywhere and its sequel, Which Way Round the Galaxy, are both available to buy now. Happy reading. Are you getting itchy feet? Do you want to be on the move? Well, it's about time then that we travel across the universe in a brand new Fun Kids Science Weekly. My name is Dan. Welcome along. This is the show where we explore all those science secrets that are lurking out there right throughout infinity. This week, we'll chat to the TV presenter and the genius Maggie Philbin all about why now is a brilliant time for you to learn how to code. I wonder now, looking away into the future, what type of things you're really excited that perhaps could happen? So the thing that really excites me are the ideas that come from young people. I feel we do need fresh thinking and we need big solutions. I was with 300 young people yesterday with some extraordinary ideas about the future of health tech, for instance. And I want those ideas to become reality. And we've been taking trips to the smartest school in the solar system recently, Deep Space High. Got the last one of this series for you, where we're learning all about what jobs you can do in space if you love music. Astronauts on the International Space Station have playlists of their own music to listen to when they're not working. Studies have shown it helps them to feel happy when they're far from home and even has a positive effect on their health. Well, there's no other sound out there, so they might as well. Space is a vacuum, right? And I've got your questions to answer. This week they are on the leaves in autumn and liquids boiling. It's all coming up in a brand new Fun Kids Science Weekly. Let's kick things off with your science in the news. India aims to send an astronaut to the moon by 2040, the government has said. The country's space goals also includes plans for a space station by 2035. You might remember a month or so ago, India became the first country to land a spacecraft on the moon's south pole. They've got big plans. The Prime Minister in India, Narendra Modi, announced huge ambitions, also have our scientists to work on missions to Venus and Mars. Now, I love, like, little space races, countries kind of trying to become the first country to go to different parts because it means that us as humans, that us from planet Earth, expand and can travel to more of the universe. Also, let's stay in space because NASA, the American Space Agency, uh, a probe that they've launched has left Earth to visit one of the most unusual objects in the solar system. It's headed to a completely metal place, an asteroid called 16 Psyche, which from what we've seen from telescopes say it's made up of 60% iron and nickel now so this is really amazing scientists think that this asteroid that's floating around might be what's left of uh, an old planet that was kind of decimated that was knocked around by other rocks and this is all that's left and scientists expect uh, their search to be full of surprises there are estimated a million and a half asteroids in the solar system only nine that we found so far share the qualities 
like 16 Psych. Uh, so, very amazing that we're going to this strange metal planet. Uh, also, travelling back down to Earth now, an army of drifting crustaceans could slow climate change. That's what scientists at the University of Exeter have said. Crustaceans are well, normally shelly creatures that live under the sea, and zooplankton uh, are these tiny ones that are thought to be uh, the most numbered multi-cell organisms on Earth. There's a lot of them. And it's thought that this particular type of zooplankton, called copepods, can store enormous amounts of carbon in the ocean, which is a brilliant way of getting it out of the atmosphere. Who'd have thought? We are massive creatures, us, trying to save the world. But the actual answer could be tiny, tiny little crustaceans that live under the ocean. Let's catch up with Techno Mum then. One of our favourite gadget geniuses on the show. She is a guru that knows all about technology. And over the last few weeks, uh, we've been looking at different types of tech and how it affects every part of our life, from watches to what we're looking at on telly. This week, it's all about how we copy and print things off the computer. Techno Mum Fast Files. Photocopiers and laser printers are very useful machines, but how do they work? The bright light you see moving across the image in a photocopier charges the plain paper with electricity, a bit like when you rub a balloon and it makes your hair stick up. The charge is in the exact pattern of the words or pictures on your original. Toner, that's a coloured plastic powder, gets stuck to the charged parts of the paper and then heated rollers melt the powder into place. That's why the copies feel warm when they come out. Have a feel for yourself next time the paper comes out. The same sort of process happens with a laser printer, but instead of a bright light, the laser uses instructions from the computer about where the words or images need to be. If you think that's cool, did you know you can now even get 3D printers? Maybe I could copy myself. I'd get a lot more done. It's time for my favourite part of the show, where we answer your questions. I love doing this. I love getting anything science-y that you need the answer for and doing all the digging for you, figuring out the answer to anything sciencey that you send normally as a voice note to the free Fun Kids app or at funkidslive.com. Uh, first up this week, it's from Douglas. Why do leaves change colour in autumn? So Douglas, why do leaves change colour in autumn? Well, leaves have their bright, vibrant green colour through spring and summer because of something called chlorophyll. It's a pigment, which is a type of chemical. It helps them use the energy of the sun to make sugars which give them energy which helps them live it's all part of photosynthesis now when there is less sunlight in the sky the trees don't really need that chlorophyll and it's a waste of the precious energy that they do have to try and make it so like quite simply they stop making loads of it and that means the chlorophyll isn't there to make the leaves green so they change color to red and then brown before eventually dropping off altogether because they're not making much of that chlorophyll thank you so much for the question douglas that's why leaves change color in autumn like they're doing right now let's get on another one this is from elliot my science question is how come different liquids burn at different temperatures why do liquids burn at different temp i reckon you mean why do they boil at different temperatures well, boiling is when a liquid gets so hot it completely changes state to become a gas. Uh, that's evaporation. Now, for that to happen, the bonds between the liquid particles, the thing that holds them together, it needs to be broken so the particles can spread more and become a gas. And a lot of energy is needed to break those bonds. 
when a liquid has a greater mass, when it's like big, uh, and the strength of the bond between the liquid particles is very, very strong, it takes more energy to break them apart, which means the liquid has to have a higher boiling point to give it that energy. Like, for example, water boils at 100 degrees Celsius, right? Liquid tungsten has very heavy particles with extremely strong bonds between them. That boils at 5,660 degrees Celsius. So that's the difference in when liquids can boil, Elliot. Thank you so much for the question. If you loved the sound of that, if you want to be on the podcast next week by asking a science question that you're wondering, make sure you get to the free Fun Kids app. You can send it there as a voice note to me. It comes straight through to uh, the studio. Also, you can do it on funkidslive.com if you find the Science Weekly page there. We've got a big record button that you can use to ask your question. Hello everyone, I'm Cressida Cowell, author of How to Train Your Dragon, and I'm just popping in to tell you about my new book series, Which Way to Anywhere. It's a story about four children who discover that there are alternative worlds beyond our own and that they can travel to them with the help of a magical map and a very special gift. Of course, this leads to epic, unexpected adventures. Which Way to Anywhere and its sequel, Which Way Round the Galaxy, are both available to buy now. Happy reading! It's the Fun Kids Science Weekly and EU Code Week is back and this time with so much to do... It's lasting for two whole weeks. So let's find out what it's about, what you can do with Maggie Philbin, OBE, who joins us. Maggie, thank you so much for being there. Oh, it's brilliant to be with you. Well, Maggie, you've been investigating science and the future for a little while now. Could you tell me, how has the importance of coding changed through the years and how much have you noticed it? Well, if you think about it, we live in a digital age. Our homes, whether it's our school environments, uh, whether it is the things that we enjoyed going out and doing, the phones that we use, everything is driven by code. And so it's so important that as many people as possible, particularly if you're a young person, that you understand how this digital world actually functions. And if we have more people who understand the ba- just the basics of, of, of coding, then that means that we're much more likely to, in the end, have a fairer world because there will be a much bigger range of people designing and developing the products that we will use tomorrow. So that underpins the importance of of coding. And I guess if if you are a a young person, you may have encountered uh, coding at school in your computer uh, science lessons. And there are so many opportunities to develop that interest. Europe Code Week is an excellent way of highlighting all of those opportunities. So whether you think, oh, it would be nice to perhaps download the, the Swift Playgrounds app and have a bit of a play at developing your own ideas or 
whether you take advantage of the fact that particularly over the next few weeks, there are all sorts of opportunities to go and learn alongside experts. So you might go to a library, uh, there may be things happening in your school, or if you live near an Apple store, Apple are running all sorts of workshops that you could go to with your parents. And I get really excited about it because I see the very exciting and fresh ideas that young people have. And I want as many of those young people to be able to make their ideas a reality as possible. I guess coding way back would have been something normal people like you, like me, like someone listening to this show wouldn't have thought possible. It was done by mega computers locked away somewhere. But now it seems much simpler. How easy is it for us to just sit down on a, on a computer or something and begin coding and creating a way? It's much more accessible. And there are, you know, all sorts of different ways that you can take those very, very first steps if you haven't done it before. So there are very sort of visual aids so that you can sort of quickly begin to understand how it all works. Because in simple terms, coding is about giving a set of instructions through your computer, or you might be doing this through your mobile phone, to make something happen. At school, for instance, you may have done things where you do some coding to make a robot follow a certain route around a track, or you could use coding to develop a video game. And it's so much easier to do this today, certainly much easier than when I was at school. The idea that you would have your own computer was a completely impossible idea. So things really are very different now. I'm just having a look through the website where you can see everything that's going on. It's codeweek.eu. There's a brilliant map there where you can scan around, you can find something near where you live. Maggie, what types of events and activities are going on over the next couple of weeks to really get us excited and interested in coding? There will be events where you can learn the very basics if you haven't done any coding whatsoever. There will be events where if you want to build an app or if you want to develop your own game, that you would be able to hone those skills. It is a brilliant way to sort of investigate, you know, get your parents involved in this. What is happening near you? And it's highly unlikely that there won't be anything happening. But just in case you live in a remote area, then you'll be able to go online and find activities that run. I'll give you another website to try, which is apple.com forward slash today. So that will help you with things running in Apple stores. But there really are many, many. And, and if you've been on the website for Europe Code Week, you will have seen just how many activities there are. And schools get involved in this too. So depending on what class you're in, because it might be a particular teacher who is running things, I would ask around at school just to see whether your school is doing something that you could get involved in. And also, uh, we have an organization called Teen Tech. And, you know, we're running activities too. So do check out online and do check out whether there are things that you can take advantage of over half term. Now, Maggie, you presented at Tomorrow's World, which is a huge TV show, particularly here in the UK, that looked at science, that looked upon the future of how the world and tech was changing. 
I wonder now, 2023, looking way into the future, what type of things you're really excited that perhaps could happen? I see young people as having fresh perspectives, a fresh way of looking at the world. So the thing that really excites me are the ideas that come from young people. You hear so much, don't we, about things like climate change. The solutions are going to be technical and engineering solutions and a change of mindset. And I think young people have a massive part to play in all of this. It will be so crucial for young people to develop the skills where if they have an idea that they think is a world beater, and it might be an idea that they think could make a difference to world poverty or the equality in terms of education, it could be anything. But being able to understand, I've got this idea, this is how I can make it a reality. I might not have the skills at the moment to do this, but I know it's possible. I can reach out to people who may have those skills because it's all about teamwork in terms of really making big projects happen. That is what excites me. I feel we do need fresh thinking and we need big solutions. And I've got a massive amount of faith in young people to, you know, being able to make this happen. And that isn't about loading it all to on young people and saying, right, come on, this is your, it's your responsibility. It's all of our responsibility. But I was with 300 young people yesterday with some extraordinary and very powerful ideas about the future of health tech, for instance. And I want those ideas to become reality. Well, you could start. There is so much going on for Europe Code Week. Uh, find out more, search online, and you can find your local Apple store too. Maggie Philbin, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. For this week's Dangerous Down, where we look at some of the most mean, weird, and strange things in the universe, we're looking at a deadly plant with quite an unusual name. Witch's hair is deadly to other plants because it steals from them. Now, its proper name is Cascata. It's also known as strangleweed, wizard's net, devil's guts, devil's hair, gold thread. It's gone through folklore with all these different names. You'll find them all over the world, really. Even they could be found in the UK. You can tell it is a cascata from the green, brown or kind of orange spaghetti style threads that hang down from it as it climbs to other trees because that's what it does. This plant is a vampire. It doesn't make chlorophyll. And we spoke about that earlier on in the show. And plants need chlorophyll to survive, to turn sunlight into energy. So it has to steal it from other plants. And it can do that. It knows where the chlorophyll is by smell alone for a plant. It's weird. It can almost sniff out and sense when other plants have lots of it. And when it finds one, it grows these strange, almost roots called Haustoria which slide into the nervous system of the plant and then it sucks out their chlorophyll which makes itself stronger so it can live and it makes the host weaker where it might even die. This is a vampire plant. It's why it's got a brilliant name, Witch's Hair Cascata, which goes straight onto our Dangerous Dan list. Let's take one last trip to the smartest school in the solar system for a little while. Deep Space High with Professor Pulsar and the gang. Uh, For the last few weeks, we've been learning about jobs that we can do around the space industry. 
depending on what we love doing at school. So we've learned all about science and literacy and maths. This week, we're finding out what kind of jobs you can do if you love music. Deep Space High, space for all. So lovely, Pixel. I can't believe you wrote that song yourself. Thanks. On our planet, we communicate using music and song. So it's easy for me. Hey, Professor Pulsar, you know you're always saying that there's a job in space for everyone. What about Pixel and her music? Could you work with music in space? In a word, yes. Pixel, perhaps you'd like to tell us what you enjoy about music. I like the way music makes me feel happy, calm or excited. Computer, play us something relaxing. It's widely known that music can have a calming effect, and for that reason, it's sometimes used during rocket launches to help astronauts relax. And because rocket launches are very loud, experts in sound technology are needed to help reduce the noise in the cockpit. Vibrations can be catastrophic if they're not kept under control, so sound or acoustic engineers, as they're known, are vital members of space exploration. Computer, NSIM. That's better. There's another place you'll find music in space. Most people have their own favourite playlists, right? Computer, give them a burst of mine. Really? What's wrong with a bit of country? Astronauts on the International Space Station have playlists of their own music to listen to when they're not working. Studies have shown it helps them to feel happy when they're far from home and even has a positive effect on their health. Well, there's no other sound out there, so they might as well. Space is a vacuum, right? No sound can travel in a vacuum. Well, you're not wrong about sounds in a vacuum. However, while space is a virtual vacuum, radio waves can be detected around planets and other objects such as comets, which we can convert to sound. And the results can be remarkable. That's so weird. And then music from Earth has reached further into space than almost anything else sent from the planet. Computer, bring up Voyager. The Voyager probes were launched in 1977 to explore the farthest reaches of the galaxy and on board each of the two craft are golden records. As well as samples of Earth languages and sounds, there are several tracks of music. These crafts have travelled further than anything else, a whopping 13.9 billion miles. Who knows who's had a listen? OK, just one more example, computer, please. In 2018, Elon Musk blasted a Tesla car into space. No one's quite sure why, to be honest. Most expensive car advert ever, if you ask me. But the car radio is playing a looped version of tracks by David Bowie. That is kind of cool. Music has the power to move us, change the way we feel. It can be inspiring or comforting and tell our stories. Space has inspired music and music is itself part of the fabric of our universe. Now, come on, Sam. Have I managed to inspire you to get musical? Can I tempt you with a trumpet? I think I'd rather have Elon Musk's Tesla. Well, the search for a space career will have to continue. There's a job for you in space, whatever your interest may be. Before we go, a joke. How do you make a bandstand? I don't know. How do you make a bandstand? Take away the chairs. That's... Terrible. All right, I'll stick to teaching you lot. Class dismissed. Deep Space High, space for all. With support from the UK Space Agency. 
Find out more at funkidslive.com slash space. Thanks so much to the Steep Space High gang. Next week, um, we are having a look inside your body at what the microbes can do. We'll be back then with another brand new episode of the Fun Kids Science Weekly. If you have enjoyed the show, if you would like to ask a question that I can answer next week, make sure you leave it as a voice note for me on the free Fun Kids app or at funkidslive.com. You can hear loads of our brilliant podcast series. You've heard some today. We've got tons more for you on the free Fun Kids app, funkidslive.com, wherever you get your shows. And Fun Kids are our children's radio station from the UK. You can listen across the country on the free Fun Kids app in certain cities on DAB Digital Radio as well. And if you've got a smart Smart speaker, just wake it up and ask it to play Fun Kids. Hello everyone, I'm Cressida Cowell, author of How to Train Your Dragon, and I'm just popping in to tell you about my new book series, Which Way to Anywhere. It's a story about four children who discover that there are alternative worlds beyond our own and that they can travel to them with the help of a magical map and a very special gift. Of course, this leads to epic, unexpected adventures. Which Way to Anywhere and its sequel, Which Way Round the Galaxy, are both available to buy now. Happy reading!